We got a cup of coffee in here, please. really not that hot it's really not that hot at all uh good morning folks and welcome to something brand new um trying out um what i'm calling something that is like overnight radio on a morning radio show without the radio (laughs) anyway it's very early for me i'm trying to Rejoin uh, the living world and uh, daytime world. And I thought, why not try something in the morning? Because the streaming stuff at night has become very oversaturated. So I figured, you know what? How how do I carve out some kind of uh, niche where nobody else is doing this stuff? And I said, well, nobody's doing this shit at <laughs> drive time. I'm not cut out for drive time. Actually, I'm cut out to be sleeping right now. But... I'm up and we're doing it, and I'm uh, I'm feeling okay. Got some good coffee here. I hope you got some good coffee wherever you are. Good morning. It is uh, Tuesday morning, November whatever it is, sixteenth, twenty twenty one. Lot to talk about today. A lot of shit going on in the world. I want to talk about the Steve Bannon stuff and what's going on in Trump world later, not right now. Um, SNL. It's a good place to start. Saturday Night Live. You know, I, I've been around for. A, oh, we got comments already. Let's see who's uh, who's talking to me. Hello, uh, Ken. You're up in writing, and uh, somebody else is trying to sell me some uh, some social media plan or something. Well, thank you very much for that, but uh, I'll pass for right now. Where was I? Oh, I'm about to have allergy attacks. That's what happens with me every morning. I get like these sinus attacks and start sneezing for a while. Hopefully that doesn't happen big time here today. Saturday Night Live. Been old enough to watch several generations go through their Saturday Night Live period where they thought it was a cool show, and then they uh, were trying to write. Well, I'm trying to talk. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't seem to help. Uh, trying is not necessarily the way to get it done, but I'm doing my best. I hope you do your best, too, and write something great. Seen several uh, generations um, come and go with their Saturday Night Live phase. I was around for the very first show of Saturday Night Live and thought it was the coolest show in the world, 1975, when it aired. And was a fan for the first three three seasons of the show. Started to wane in the fourth season and then stopped watching it altogether. But I've seen now several generations come and have their... Uh, moment in the sun with that show, Saturday Night Live. Now, I haven't been a fan in 50 years now, really. Well, 40 years. Yeah, 40 years. <laughs> Getting way ahead of myself. Uh, but I, I could never understand how other people became fans of the show in different eras that it went through because it had so many different little niche eras. But, but excuse me here with this morning sign of stuff. So... This weekend, 
Uh, it was uh, back in the news. It's been in the news constantly my whole life. I hear people talking about SNL, and I see it's it must be the same group of because I was 15 when I became a fan of the show. By the time I was 19, I was done with it. Seems like that's probably the median age range for fans of the show. This weekend, uh, there was a skit about Rogan and Ted Cruz and Sesame Street uh, that kind of lit Twitter on fire a little bit because it wasn't funny. And uh, it was political, but it just wasn't funny. And it was, you know, cheap shots about the cheapest kind of jokes about uh, Rogan sucking dick <laughs> and Ted Cruz and Big Bird stuff. And it was just seemed like lazy writing. Tim Dillon went out. Uh, Tim Dillon, the comedian, who Michael Shea says is not a comedian. Anyway, T- Tim Dillon went on Twitter and made some tweet about it being a lazy, a lazy sketch. But Tim Dillon was reacting out of defensiveness for Rogan. Now listen, uh, Rogan is the first one to say uh, it's only jokes lighten up to folks. So when he's being made fun of, him or his friends have no basis to stand on and say, uh, you know, that he, that's a dirty play. You know, Rogan says he can suck his own dick. That's going to be on Saturday Night Live, whether whether you like it or not. And so don't get defensive about it. If you're one, of, especially if you're one of these people who say, well, it's just jokes, folks. Lighten up, you know, lighten up with the cancel culture stuff. Joe Rogan has no leg to stand on <laughs> uh, with that kind of stuff so you know a guy says he's uh he can suck his own dick and doesn't expect to be made fun of on saturday night live that's being a little unrealistic anyway so michael uh chase saw uh tim dylan's tweet and reacted to it and they got into a little war and then comedians started getting in back and forth about who's funny who's not funny you know what uh it's really really fucking childish when when you see uh, people in the arts arguing about who's better. Can you imagine two actors on Twitter, act, you know, talking about who's a better actor, who's who's a good actor, and who's not an actor, who's not a good actor on Twitter, and arguing back and forth about that shit? Can you imagine that stuff? Comedians ha- seem to have no dignity when it comes to that, no self-respect, none of that. To take to Twitter and start saying, "Well, I'm funny, you're not, you're not funny," that kind of stuff. A lot of comedians doing it. Love to hear your thoughts about that. The comments are open, but I'd just love to hear what you think about that whole Rogan situation. And uh, let's face it, folks. Rogan Rogan's an irresponsible fucker. He really is. Um, you know, Tim Dilton was upset that in the Saturday Night Live sketch, and excuse me again, this morning allergies are fucking with me hard. Um Tim Dillon was upset because they referenced, uh, they they didn't reference, they came right out and said, well, Joe Rogan eats <laughs> oyster warmer. And he was pissed. Well, that's been proven not to be true, blah, blah, blah. First of all, Rogan knew when he made the comment about taking ivermectin, along with a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that he took when he had COVID, he knew at that time that people were going to farm stores, uh, not to doctors, and getting ivermectin. And they were overdosing on it. Some people actually died from it. Rogan knew that. He also knew that, uh, w- by his own admission, 
that he has tremendous influence over these people. I know that because in his argument against Don Lemon, he called him a stupid fuck and said, I have uh, more than 10 times your following it and influence. Now, he used those exact words. He said, you don't want to pick a fight with a guy who has 10 times your audience and uh, power and influence. So he knows he has power and influence. Doesn't give a shit. He uses that power and influence irresponsibly, hiding behind it's only jokes. Well, once it's fine to say it's only jokes when you're a guy podcasting in his house, like this guy, and with your friends and you have a very small audience. When you got 30 million people or whatever, 100 million people, you know, a lot of people know who Joe Rogan is. A lot of people follow him now for whatever reason. But he knows that. And he's really irresponsible with it. Uh, and so when he came out and said, it said that I took ivermectin, I got it from a doctor, he was he has a duty as somebody who has all this influence and knows he has all this influence to say, listen, folks, I'm taking a lot of stuff. I went to a doctor, an MD, to get prescribed ivermectin. Don't go to a farm store. Don't OD on it. Because he, he knew in advance that people were doing that. So this shit about him being pissed about um, people saying he took horse to woman, fuck him. Fuck that irresponsible fuck, the guy who takes his influence so lightly. I used to be a, a somewhat of a fan of Rogan. Um, you know, not straight down the line, but I'd love to hear your uh, take on this because I think uh, he, he's gotten too big for his own britches. You know, it's one thing to... to um, just claim that you know, I'm just a funny guy. I'm just tell telling jokes, and what I I'm just a rodeo clown, man. Don't pay any attention to me. You say that, but then want influence. Know you have influence, uh, and then use it irresponsibly. Uh, can say weaponized incompetence. I uh, heard some say this phrase yesterday: weaponized incompetence. I love it. I love it. That's exactly how I would describe uh, Rogan's just irresponsible behavior on this stuff. Don't care. No, I have this influence. I don't care how I use it or who it hurts. It's a dangerous thing. Ah, oh, excuse me. I'm hating this fucking morning stuff already, man. <laughs> anyway, enough of Rogan. Tim Dillon and Michael Che arguing about who's funny and who's not funny. Uh, comedians getting into that stuff. Listen, I'm not a fan of either one of them. Uh, but funny is subjective. The comedians you like are the comedians you like. And if, if you like them, nobody can tell you they're funny or not funny. Whether that person has 50 years in the comedy business or no years, no days in the comedy business. Uh, nobody can tell you who's funny and who's not funny. It's up to you to decide. Uh, but when they start getting into Twitter spats like that, I don't see how people can remain fans of, of that when you're seeing Grown men, grown women acting like schoolyard punks and so insecure that they have to go on Twitter and say, well, you're not funny. I'm funny. You're not funny. I did open mics with you. <laughs> Fuck you, you little children. Go away with that nonsense. Anyway, so I got, <clears throat> speaking of Twitter, I've been uh, dragged on Twitter a little bit lately. Um where did it start out? It started out with uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Alexander Vindman. You remember him? He's one of the whistleblowers in the Ukraine thing and testified, and Trump called him a, a traitor and all that shit. 
Uh, he said uh, he wanted to um, stop Tucker Carlson from airing his bullshit documentary about uh, January 6th. And I said, that's not the way. And he, he uh, likened it to yelling a fire in a crowded theater when there is no fire and that's irresponsible again. And I said, well, that's not how it works in America. You can't just censor in advance and saying, well, this could cause somebody to do something violent, which it probably would. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Tucker Carlson's documentary was meant to incite people, specifically those uh, militia groups who are planning uh, the next civil war. But you can't stop them from air. You can't take away their free speech. You have to, unfortunately, in the way it works in America, you have to let the crime happen before you can prosecute it. You can't uh, prosecute in advance and say, well, we know this is going to cause so-and-so to take um, violent action, so we're, we're not going to let you air it. That's not the way it works. So I went on and said that to Alexander Vindman. And, of course, the the people who line up with the left, the Democrats and people who hate Trump, independents who hate Trump, all were all over me thinking, uh, call me a pro-Trumper, me a pro-Trumper. That's like, you know, I, I'm sorry to use the phrase, but it's like uh, Ali Alexander in the documentary saying they called me a white supremacist, me. <laughs> you know, to call me pro-Trumper is just like insane. I am probably, uh, I was probably one of the first never-Trumpers, and I think I was a, born a never-Trumper and haven't had tolerance for uh donald trump and what he's all about ever i've always seen him for the con man grifter phony bullshit artist um, just an all-around bad guy that he is so i said that i said basically you can't censor and people i got dragged on twitter it got to the point where i had to mute the conversation because uh just for days and days the comments kept coming at just dragging me hard about what a, a pro-Trumper piece of shit I am. Pro-free speech. Um, not that's Definitely not pro-Trumper. But on the uh, subject of January 6th, I do think, I do think they are planning a civil war. And here's where it comes down to. It's like, it, yeah, we have to start talking some sense into these people. The Trumpers, who are calling for civil war. And I, I tried this on social media by saying, by pointing out the fact that you, you have to understand what, what you mean when you say civil war. Who, who are you, who's your enemy? Is it the people who are against Trump? Because that's me. You're going to pick up uh, weapons and come at me? You know, I'm talking to my Trumper friends because I have lots of people in my life who are Trump supporter friends. I have people who were there on January 6th who uh, they were smart enough to leave. They weren't part of the insurrection. They weren't part of uh, storming the Capitol. They were smart enough to leave when Donald Trump said, march down the block. But they were there. And so I have a, a Trump friends who are that passionate that they would drive 250 miles, 300 miles to go uh, worship Donald Trump. So they're going to pick up a gun and come after me or come after their own family? Because a lot of times we're talking about divisions in families. You have to understand when you're calling for a civil war what you're actually calling for. Now, these militia fuckheads 
have been planning this for 40 years, 50 years. You know, the guys who go to the woods every weekend and, and get assault weapons and, and play military. Some of them are ex-military, and some of them are just military wannabes. Uh, I can't wait to get this fucking sneezing shit out of my fucking head, man. Usually it happens, be, you know, a lot sooner than this, but no. So you got these, these militia guys who were just seething, waiting for this moment to have a civil war. And then you have a guy who's willing to use that. Uh, Bannon yesterday, getting to Steve Bannon stuff, was, turned himself in. And then the press foolishly gave him this moment to talk to those militia people. And he used the same words Donald Trump used. Stand by. I remember when Trump said that to the Proud Boys before January 6th. They use that. I mean, you can say dog whistle all you want, and, and people can poo-poo that. Fucking people aren't taking this January 6th thing lightly. It was a America's beer hall porch. They are going to try it again. They're planning on trying it again. They're planning on doing something again. And they don't hide it. They're very open about the use of paramilitary, the use of... if if they can go along with it, if they can somehow finagle it, actual military people, people, assholes like General Flynn, I hate to even call him general, he's a dishonorable, but Benedict Arnold was a general. Michael Flynn will probably go down in history somewhat like Benedict Arnold. Guy who was uh, a decorated general who turned against his country and just... um, Became a traitor, traitor to America. Everything America stands for, they're against it. Which is so fucking weird because these people, all they talk about is freedom. All they talk about is freedom, but they want an authoritative government. They want an authority figure. They want a king, a monarch. And they want to install their monarch and live without, uh, in a liberal free world. Liberal free paradise America, where only white people, white Christian people are allowed. This is what Michael Flynn wants. This is what Steve Bannon wants. Um, And uh, so that's where we are. And they're using the same old catchphrases and same old tricks that have been used for since World War II. II, This whole get them so scared about Marxism, communism, socialism. Just throw those words out there. Scare the public. They'll let you do whatever the fuck you want. I remember from my era, a place called Vietnam, and they just kept shouting out the word communism, and people bought it and support. People actually supported that fucking war. My parents' generation supported that war. Well, it was a must thing. We have to stop communism because if communism takes hold on this little fucking country all the way around the world that nobody here has ever heard of before. Communism takes foot there. It's surely going to make its way to our shores. It's just a matter of time. So we need to stop it there. So we sent 58,000 fucking men and women, young men and women there to die. Two million Vietnamese died in that war. Two million. 58,000 Americans died in that war. Trillions of dollars spent in 1960s dollars on that war all to fight the boogeyman of communism. And communism fell on its own 
without anything happening. We we walked away. We lost that war. We ran away like we did with Afghanistan. Like there is no other way out of a country you invade. There's one way out, running with your tail between your legs, hoping for the least massacre you can possibly ensue. And we did that in Vietnam. And within five or six years, the communist government fell anyway under the weight of its uh, weight of its own. So, so we we wasted twenty five years, fifty eight thousand lives, fifty eight thousand American lives, trillions of American dollars, two million Vietnamese lives to fight something that was going to destroy itself on its own anyway. And so they use that. They've been using that. That's how we got into World War II. They've been using it since World War II. They use it for everything, stopping communism. Communism's not the problem. Capitalism, communism, it doesn't matter which is the economic model you live under. Oh, God. Excuse me with the uh, allergies. I'm going to keep saying that, but the economic model doesn't matter that much. Not at all. It's whether it's the if you still have a de- democracy and you could vote in your elected officials, uh, it doesn't matter about the uh, economic model. So what we're talking about really is: do you have a dictator, do you have a monarch, or do you have free elected representative government? That's what what matters most. Now, the ism that is destroying America, destroying a lot of the free world, is consumerism. Not capitalism, not communism, not socialism, none of that. It's consumerism. It's the idea that our society, our culture, our civilization is based on stuff. George Carlin, <laughs> stuff. We live our lives getting stuff. We we spend our time figuring out make how do we can get more money so we can get more stuff. Stuff we don't need, that we never use. Gonna keep doing this all day. Fucking allergies, man. <laughs> That's one one stuff I could do without is just fucking allergies. Anyway, we we fill our lives with things we don't need. We work hard to get stuff, get money, so we can get more stuff that we don't need. Fill our lives with it, and it's not just America that does that. We have more shit that we don't need, have no use for, and then we create waste. We create. Don't even get me started on the plastic shit, man. Like, plastic. Plastic. We're creating more plastic every day. Plastic is is one of the things that is killing the planet faster than anything else. You know, we talk about auto emissions and all that kind of shit. Plastic. Plastic is the thing that's killing the planet. You know, Mother Nature regrets most the day we figured out how to, you know, manufacture plastic and use it. For those of you who don't know, plastic is a it's a factor of my generation coming to age. The graduate, the movie, the graduate, Ben, uh, who just graduated college, has no idea what to do with his life, and his father-in-law says to him one word: plastic. Plastics, that's what the future And you look at so much of the stuff we have now, and it's all made of plastic. Computers are made of plastic. Use a lot of plastic in stuff like iPhones and 
and tablets and computers and everything we have is made of plastic. All the packaging, you'd be surprised. You go to go to the supermarket and look at all the plastic that that, that there is. This, you know, disposable. Everything's got to be disposable. But where does it get disposed of? It ends up in the ocean, all in this big pit in the middle of the ocean. Plastic is killing our planet. Anyway, I'd love to hear your take on any of this kind of stuff, if you got any comments on it. By the way, if uh, you wanted to join the stream, my Patreon page, go to uh, patreon.minddogtv, patreon.com slash minddogtv. Um, for $1 a month, you can become a patron and be uh, get the link to every one of these shows. I'm going to be doing these shows daily. It's going to be just like... Every morning, just like a uh, overnight radio show, we, we call in. I will be taking phone calls. Not today. Probably tomorrow. I'll start with the phone call stuff. Um, and hopefully I'll get it happening like a little bit of a radio show type of vibe. Overnight radio where uh, listen to call in. But if you're a patron, you can actually join the stream uh, for just $1 a month. And just be able to join the stream. You will get a link every single day to be able to come on and be part of the show. I thought that would be pretty cool. Nobody else is doing that shit. <laughs> anyway, it's morning. Enjoy your coffee. I'm enjoying my coffee. The wife says I make the coffee too strong, which is why uh, uh, my stepson, who was back, he's a vet with PTSD, 34 years old now, back in the house. After a stint in Montana, anyway, he uh, he's going through half and half like crazy to kill the bitterness from how strong I make the coffee. I said, well, don't drink coffee. Water it down. Make your own freaking coffee. <laughs> I like my coffee strong, I, and I think you should do. There's only one way to drink coffee. That's strong. <laughs> Somebody said, I like uh, I like my coffee the like, way I like my woman, strong and black. <laughs> Oh, am I being politically incorrect? Oh, excuse me. What else did we want to talk about here today? Uh, oh, the Steve Bannon stuff. Steve Bannon getting uh, taken in now. The next step is the subpoenas uh, towards the rest of the uh, traders in Congress and who were in the White House staff, Mark Meadows, uh, chief of staff of uh, Trump's White House at the end there. He's been subpoenaed. He's expressed his intent to defy the subpoena. And he will be charged with contempt. Now, just because you're charged with contempt, that means nothing. You have to be found guilty. Steve Bannon hasn't been found guilty yet. And his lawyers are trying to play it up. Like, like executive privilege does not matter. Uh, it means nothing when the sitting president has waived that executive privilege. Uh, and that's that's the key here. Donald Trump thinks he's still president. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this last week. You know, he they talk about Biden being delusional, Trump, uh, or and having dementia and all that kind of stuff. Trump is, is far more Fruit Loops and and losing his cognitive whatever he ever had uh, more than Biden with his cognitive abilities more than Biden ever did. I mean, there, there's a reels and reels of tape of Donald Trump just in his four years that he was in office doing things like just walking 
not seeing the car he was supposed to get, getting out of a jet, not seeing the car parked right in front of him that he's supposed to get in, uh, saying, I wish Melania could be here today. She really wanted to be here when she's standing right next to him, right next to him. She really wanted to be here today, walking out of a room without signing bill, like he's in a face. Oh, I'm supposed to do. Oh, I know what I'm supposed There's lots of stuff with Trump like that. Well, last week, he put out a letter about Serbia and Croatia and how he was sending his envoy and how his, his administration is on top of stuff. He, he, he actually, whether he had, it was momentary or whether it's an ongoing delusion, believe he's still a president. <laughs> and he's sending an envoy to this part of the world. He's not an envoy. He's not a president. He can't have an envoy. He has no amb- ambassadors. Uh, I don't know who he sent there. Was it Rudy? <laughs> and so uh, Bannon is now going to a trial. He's not going to flip on anybody. Bannon's going to be a good soldier and, and do his, when, if he's found guilty of contempt, and I expect he will be. I mean, uh, they're going to try to run out the clock on this stuff and just hope they can make it last till the next election, get Trump elected, and then pardon everybody again. That's their game plan at this point. It's the only thing they have, possibility they have of remaining free. I think the only thing that is going to save America, and this is not hyperbole, hyperbole. (laughs) It's morning, folks. Fuck you. I'm trying. It's not hyperbole uh, to say that America is is really walking a tightrope here, uh, that we could lose uh, the democracy in this country. We could lose everything America was founded on. Absolutely possible. We're walking a tightrope here, and the, the only thing that will really save the country as it is at this point is if we can get some of them prosecuted and uh, before the next uh, presidential election, even before the midterms, because the Republicans take back the House and the Senate. It's all bullshit anyway. It's all going to go away. That's next year. That's less than 12 months away that election is. They got to get shit done. They got to get shit done pretty quick because this January 6th stuff and the big lie. You know, I got into an argument with, with folks on uh, Facebook the other day who still, God, they still believe that Trump won the election. I said, there's zero evidence of that. And this woman comes back to me and says, there's a ton of evidence. I said, well, can you show me some of it? No. <laughs> but there's plenty of it. Now we got, I don't uh, know how, uh, how, I think probably most people know who Russell Brand is. Russell Brand has got a lot of, a big following. He's a guy like Rogan. Not quite as big as Rogan, but he's, he's using his influence very irresponsible. Now, Russell Brand was a guy who's his whole life has been thought of as a guy on the left. Recently, he's been drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid uh, of Green, Glenn Greenwald and uh, people who have become right-wing uh, grifters, trying to get in the good graces of Rupert Murdoch so that they can get on Fox News or whatever, get their own show over there and on the Evil Empire Network. And so Russell Brand has been trying to push Green, Greenwald's narrative for him uh, that the Russia stuff was all a hoax. Russiagate, 
with all the hoax. Complete bullshit. I'm going to get on this now, I guess, before I go to a commercial. By the way, we've got a new sponsor here. True Fire. You want to learn how to play guitar? True Fire. There's a link in the description, I think. Not in this description. I'll put it in there. <laughs> it's got to be in there somewhere. Anyway, uh, where was it? Oh, yeah. Um, Russiagate. Not a hoax, folks. Now, there are people in the Democratic Party. Uh, people associated with the Democratic Party, people in the Democratic Party, and uh, people who are affiliated with Hillary's campaign who are going to jail uh, or, or at least have been charged with uh, the, the stuff they did around the dossier, spreading false information, getting uh, false narratives into the press about Russia stuff and overhyping some of it and playing it up. Let's be clear. The Steele dossier had nothing to do with um, the secret uh, um, special counsel being appointed by Rod Rosenberg. Nothing to do with that at all. Had nothing to do with it. Uh, the Steele dossier was out there, but it wasn't part of uncovering 10 counts of obstruction. It wasn't part of Donald Trump saying, oh, shit, my presidency is fucked when the special counsel, uh, when Jeff, Jeff Stevens, Jeff, yeah. I can't remember his name, not James Sessions. Sorry, Jeff Sessions, Jeff Stevens. Jeff Stevens was my old engineer back in the radio days. Anyway, Jeff Sessions appointed Rod Rosenberg, uh, Rod Rosenberg appointed the special counsel, uh, which was Mueller. So Trump's reaction to that was, oh shit, my presidency is fucked. Now, would a guy who, who had no dealings with Russia have said that in that moment? Probably not. But let's let's look at it. Trump lied when he said, I have no deal, no loans with Russia. We know that was a lie. Rudy told us that was a lie. He admitted that under oath, uh, that Trump actually did have loans and uh, and deals pending with not only with Russia, with the head of state by proxy through Putin to, for uh Trump Tower, Moscow. That was plans were in, in the works right up until the election. So when he said no deals with Russia, have no loans with Russia, he was lying on both counts. That's not against the law, not against the law to lie. But we know there was that part of the Russia stuff. We also know that a spy, a Russian spy, uh, had reached out to Donald Trump Jr. and said, I have dared on Hillary. And we know that Donald Trump said, if it's what it is, if, if it's what you say it is, I love it. And then they took a meeting with this spy. I forget her name right now at the moment. But they took a meeting at Trump Tower. Nobody denies that. They admit that there were eight people, eight on Trump's team, his inner circle, in the room when, with this woman as she proposed uh, getting dirt on Hillary that they could use in the campaign. Now, that's collusion right there. The, right right there, you don't need to go any further. They're accepting help from a foreign entity, a known Russian spy, in an American election. Trump admitted he would do that. He said he would take that information. He told George Stephanopoulos that. Anyway, they, um, they, say, they claim that Trump was not in the room that day, but his office was right above that. 
They uh, also claim that she wasn't giving them anything that they didn't already have, so they didn't really move any further on her deal. But half an hour after that meeting, this is during the 2016 campaign, uh, Trump went down to uh, talk to his his lemmings, and in the middle of that speech, this is a half hour after meeting with this woman, said, Russia, if you're listening, we could use those 30,000 missing emails. This was on Friday afternoon, half hour, Friday evening, half hour after meeting with uh, Maria, whatever her name was, the Russian spy who has been has since been murdered by Putin's thugs. They met with her and uh, he said to Russia, if you're listening, we could sure use those 30,000 emails, whatever the fuck he said about the get us to 30,000 emails. Sure enough, over the weekend, WikiLeaks dumped more emails about Hillary. Now, uh, Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, has said he did that with the cooperation of Russia. Trump asked for it, Russia delivered. People can say Donald Trump was joking. Seems like an awful lot of coincidence you have to jump through to say, well, the meeting with the, the Russian spy and uh, that he wasn't part of and all he asked for something and they deliver. He also promised big news uh, at that Friday uh, presser when he was talking to the Lemmings. Uh, big news on Monday. That big news never materialized. Uh, but he was going to he was going to dump the his version of the Kraken then on Hillary never showed up, but that's evidence of collusion there. Uh, we know uh, that um, the P tape happened, the P incident happened. We don't know that the tape necessarily existed, but we know there was enough of an incident there that actually happened to make Donald Trump believe that a tape did in fact exist. How do we know that, you ask? You say, hey, mind dog, you're making these claims. How the fuck do we know you're telling the truth? Well, you can look it up for yourself, but there's testimony before a congressional committee by Hope Hicks, who was still a loyal Trumper. She was very, she was Trump's right-hand bitch during his administration. Hope Hicks testified uh, before Congress, that remember uh, during Access Hollywood, fucking allergies. During Access Hollywood, you know, Trump was uh, found out to have said <laughs> they put exposed the tape. Billy Billy Bush uh, was on on the tape goofing around in a trailer, and Trump said uh, about. I can't think of the the woman's name who was the host of Access Hollywood. Said he liked to grab her by the pussy, married woman. He grabbed her and just started kissing her and grabbed her by a pussy and all that stuff. That tape was out there. This night, the very night that that story broke, Hope Hicks learned of the P tape. Now, Trump's campaign is in crisis mode. Just been released a tape about grabbing him by the pussy and he they're thinking wow his campaign could be sunk at this point nobody had heard of michael Steele. the dossier was months away nobody nobody in the press even heard about the dossier hope hicks comes to trump and says and she testified about this under under oath and it's uh you can look it up congressional testimony of uh, hope hicks 
And uh, basically, she says to Trump, there's this uh, claim that there's a tape of you with the prostitutes peeing on uh, on the Obama's bed. Trump says, drop everything, make that your priority, get Michael Cohen to get that tape and destroy it. Here's the thing, folks. Now, this is if you can't accept this, you are a brain-dead Kool-Aid drinker. If I was never with prostitutes peeing on a bed in Moscow, in my moment of crisis, and somebody said, there's a tape of you peeing on, uh, having prostitutes pee on a bed in Moscow, I would say that never happened. There can't be a tape of it because it never happened. To say, drop it in a moment of DEFCON 5, my career, my campaign is, is burning down. Drop everything and make it your priority to get that tape of something I know I never did. Should I just leave that there for a second, just that thought? That is an admission of guilt, folks. An admission that something happened. For there to even be a possibility that tape exists, just get Michael Cohen on it. Now, I know Michael Cohen says he never went to Prague, and I believe that he probably never went to Prague. And he's hanging his hat on, well, Steele is a liar because I was never in Prague. There must have been somebody else named Michael Cohen at that meeting in Prague. Michael Cohen's a pretty common name. <clears throat> I believe Michael Cohen didn't go there, but I do also believe that because I heard him under oath say that Trump did, in fact, send him to look for this tape, the P tape. Michael Cohen says he doesn't believe that P tape ever exists. He looked for it. Now, Michael Cohen's not exactly a competent guy. We, we can see what a uh, really incompetent fixture he was. Now we look at it, the way he threatened people, left voice tapes, the way he got himself busted because he left a trail of tapes and incriminating evidence and documents all over. No lawyer should know better. Anyway, somebody whose campaign is on fire, is blowing up, doesn't send his fixture to get a tape that couldn't possibly exist. So what the conclusion we draw from this is the P tape P incident happened. We know that happened. So there was compromise there. Whether it did or not, Trump had it in his mind that he was blackmailable. Blackmailable, is that a word? Because he believed the possibility this tape doesn't exist. And we see his demure actions and behavior in front of Putin. And we know this is true. He felt Putin had some leverage on him. He wouldn't have been such a fucking pussy. He was... he. Trump is a bold motherfucker with everybody on the planet except Vladimir Putin. Why? Why is he scared of Putin and nobody else? There you have it. So we have Russell Brand now pushing Glenn uh, Greenwald's narrative that Russiagate was all a big hoax. And they're, they're basing that on... Uh, I, I know this. It, sound, it gets really fucking complicated the way you, all this shit has to be explained. And Good luck explaining this to a fucking Trumper. It it basically comes down to this. I mean, uh, we we know that Trump did have some collusion, did enact, and did have reason to feel compromised by Russia. Glenn Greenwald and through Russell Brand are pushing this narrative that because Democrats are being arrested 
for supplying the media with misinformation, purposely lying, getting putting this false narrative out about Russiagate, that Russiagate couldn't have happened. That's the same as saying, well, since there were other murders in Brentwood, California in June of 1994, O.J. Simpson can't possibly have murdered his wife and her, her uh, lover, Ron Goldman. Couldn't possibly have done that because there were other murders in the neighborhood that, or in the area during that time period. So, because somebody else is guilty of a uh, of a crime that is relate uh, similar in that area, then that means you're off the hook. I mean, you're exonerated, cleared away. That's Greenwald' argument, and he's putting his army of of influences out there. The loudest one, I guess, is Russell Brand. You have these other people though. And I want to get, I'm going to take a break and come back, go blow my nose. But I want to start talking about the the internet master debaters. Uh, it seems like America and, and people in general all around the world, people who pay attention to stuff, have gotten tired of mainstream media doing their thinking for them. They're turning away from places like CNN, MSNBC, they're not turning away from Fox and Newsmax. Those people on that side of it are not turning away from what the media tells them. They're embracing that stuff. The Sean Hannity fans, the Tucker Carlson fans, the Newsmax idiots, America One, whatever, One America, whatever that fucking network is, the Steve Bannon love, love fest over there. Those people aren't turning away from it. But the people who were independents and the people on the left, Stop trusting the media. But that's that's fine. You're gonna think for yourself. But now they've given up the ability the the taking back their th- thought processes from television uh media pundits and giving that power to a bunch of fucking idiots on the internet. The and uh, and I'm gonna come back and we're gonna I'm gonna mention some of these names and probably do this take some of these guys down just a notch if I can. And listen, they have Millions of followers. I got thousands, <laughs> six thousand, I think, six thousand subscribers on my YouTube channel. Got a long way to go before I'm up with the Stephen Crowders of the world who have six. By the way, Stephen Crowders' father bought three million of those six million uh, subscribers he has. Uh, bought them. You can buy YouTube subscribers. They're meaningless. They're probably bots in India or something. So why buy them? But uh, I'm absolutely certain that Stephen Crowder's father bought the three million to start him off—a three million starter package. You know, it's not that big an investment. Uh, probably, I don't know. I don't know what it costs, but uh, I'm certain his father bankrolled it. Anyway, they have a lot more influence and power than I do, so I'm not really going to be able to take them down or not. But to let some, because the boomers are really unaware of these people, most for the most part. Uh, so I'm going to talk about them in a minute. I'm going to uh, play my sponsorship part, go uh, blow my nose, <laughs> come back and continue this insanity. I uh, hope you're uh, up and having your coffee. I'm probably going to get a little coffee refresher myself. Let's see if we can't uh, share a video file here. Uh, this is the only way to, to really do this, isn't it? Sure is. So let's get this under uh, way. My new sponsor, uh, Two Fire. Uh, Learn about it. I'll be back in two minutes. 
This episode is brought to you by Truefire. Do you want to learn guitar or improve your playing? Are you stuck in a rut and unable to take your playing to the next level? Truefire has your solution. Over 2 million guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with Truefire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. Truefire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with Truefire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. Truefire style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations and track your progress as you work through your personalized Truefire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one -on -one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, Truefire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Click the link in the description to find out more. Yeah, drink that coffee, baby. Oh, yeah. That's good coffee. Digging it. I'm digging it, too. Let's get rid of this thing. True fire, folks. You want to learn how to play guitar? Best best way online to learn how to play guitar quickly. Get it right. Get it done the first time. And you're going to learn from some real masters there. Tommy Manuel. I am actually studying uh, the great Koch course that's on there now. Just signed up for it. Recommend it a lot. Uh, True Fire, the link will be in the description. Hope you will check them out. Uh, great new sponsor. Uh, where were we? Oh, we were talking about, I was talking about what I'm calling the master debaters. I need to kind of come up with a graphic for this to show the master debaters. Let's see if I can share some screen stuff here. Uh, Chrome tab, YouTube, share tab audio. Yeah, why not? Okay. So every morning, I check my YouTube stuff, generally check my own channel stuff. Uh, but I have this feed here, and all of a sudden, this kind of stuff started popping up. A guy, called De a guy who called himself Destiny. Now, let's face it, folks. Uh, don't want to get all politically incorrect here, because I am politically incorrect here. Uh, boomers, guys my age, never heard of these people at all. But for a guy... Guy to call himself Destiny. Boomers, even liberal boomers, very far left and very 
very tolerant people. Even I even have gay friends, boomers, who just think destiny for a guy. Come on, man. You could do better than that. Man up a little bit. Destiny. <laughs> anyway, I know I'm going to catch flack for that, but listen, it's not a, a homophobic thing. It's not a um, not an intolerance thing. It's just like, come on, man. Where, where are you? Destiny. You call yourself Destiny? Seriously? This guy, Destiny, he's, he's one of the master debaters. He's people who, they seem to be a gamer. You can see here, usually his screen is like a video game stuff or something. This guy, uh, obviously an intelligent young man, articulate, somewhat educated. Uh, he likes to debate people. And there's a circle of these master debaters. And this guy I'm fo focusing on first today because he's a uh, guy who comes up most. And he's part of this whole clique of these master debaters. Now, this guy is... Um, it's hard to tell. He, he seems to be independent right down the middle sometimes. He's got his strong opinions about things, but he's also an arrogant little prick motherfucker who needs a slap down so bad. I'm not threatening him with violence. I'm not saying I want to slap him down, but he needs one. Somebody should give one. And maybe his mom or his daddy, somebody needs to slap this kid around. He, uh, again, people gave up thinking for themselves. And they gave their thought processes over to people like this. Um, who, people who want to tell you what to think. I'm going to lay out, not my opinion, but this is how you have to think. And if you don't think that way, I'm going to get mad and scold you and tell you you're a fucking idiot. This is this guy, Destiny. Uh, again, obviously a, a bright guy, kind of uh, articulate and able to make a good case for a lot of his stuff. But uh, the one I appointed first, uh, there's an, another clip of his down here somewhere that they were trying to get, YouTube was trying to push on me. Here, uh, you don't care about the fact, Rittenhouse debate back pills destiny into, uh, what does it say here, into rage quitting uh, panel. So he quit the panel in a rage. Now the panel is a bunch of other master debaters. We will probably feature them once one a day, one a day uh, of these imbeciles who uh, just self-proclaimed um, know-it-alls. Uh, let's see. You know, let, let's mute this for a second while his stupid advertising plays. Now I wonder how I'm going to get probably uh, shadow banned for this. But here facts of the case there you go. the reason why two people are dead in the rittenhouse riots is directly because of people like you that stoke the flames and get people upset about policing in the united states over cases where the police were 100 in the right you are engaging in a form of stochastic terrorism when you were on here stoking these flames <laughs> just as much as somebody like lauren southern does i need you to understand that you are the exact well, same type of person you can shoot them too okay do you understand that you just said so many f stupid things in that one sentence you could probably qualify See, now that's a little taste of destiny. Now, <clears throat> again, these fucking people, uh, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, you're not allowed to, or you're allowed to, but anybody who buys into that shit really needs their head examined. Um, just tell people what to think, what they have to think. Now, he, he made a couple, of, even in that little piece of clip there, uh, made a couple of things that people are, are 
responsible for whatever happens with the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff because they're blowing stuff out of proportion and the police were 100% right. Police were 100% right to let a guy who's not a policeman walk around with an AR-15 and not even make any attempt to say, you can't do that. We don't allow vigilantism in America. Police were 100% right in, in doing that. Let's be clear. Kyle Rittenhouse went out to kill black people. I, how do I know that? How do I know that? I don't know Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse. Why do I, how can I make that, that statement? Well, he went out to stop Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, not White Lives Matter. He went out expecting black people rioting, black people uh, looting. He had been fantasizing about using that AR-15 for a long, long time. There are pictures of him at four years old, three years old, with the f- similar toys. Uh, he's been playing those video games, just paramilitarizing himself, uh, thinking about putting himself in that position. <clears throat> he went out and he lied about being asked to go there by a car dealership to protect a car dealership. The car dealer says, no, that never happened. He went out to enforce vigilantism, force justice uh, justice through his AR-15 against Black Lives Matter. Now, we talk about stoking the media flame there, and that's what Destiny was referring to, media pumping stuff up. Media definitely led that kid to believe that it was all black people, that Black Lives Matter is black people looting. You know, you've heard the... You've heard the narrative, you know, these people, they burn down their own cities. They're animals. They burn down their own neighborhoods. They trash their own neighborhoods. Let's be clear. There were white riots. There were riots that include majority of white people. After hockey games, after football games, not that far from Kyle Rittenhouse's place. He didn't grab his gun to, you know, enforce uh, justice and peace when there were white people rioting. The only time he grabbed his AR-15 to go enforce, be part of a vigilantism movement, was against Black Lives Matter. Now, this guy, Destiny, could tell you the police were 100% right in letting this underage kid walk around with an assault rifle, walk right past him with an assault rifle, and that people in the media and people on YouTube, his fucking master debater friends of his, are guilty of inflaming the public about this kid being a racist. Really? When did he ever go out to to do anything against white people, to, to do his vigilante act with white people? He was expecting black people there. Now, the fact is, he didn't kill black people. He killed white people. And they're going to use that and say, well, see, he can't be a racist. He's very disappointed that he didn't get to kill a couple of N-words. Very disappointed. That was the goal. These people read the Turn- Turner Diaries as a manifesto for where we're going. This guy, this kid this far from Timothy McVeigh. You know what the difference between him and Timothy McVeigh is? He didn't get a chance to get trained by the real military and had to really fucking kill a lot of people yet. 
That's my opinion. I'm not telling you you have to think that, like uh, like Destiny or any of the people like Destiny who, you know, and when you lose your temper in a debate, you lose the debate automatically. And this kid loses his temper. Now they have millions of followers. They These people, and they do it for long, long stints. I mean, they go hours and hours of this debating back and forth with each other. And it becomes like a soap opera. Uh, a lot of drama, a lot of backbiting, all of them criticizing, like the comedians are doing. Who's the better fucking master debater? There's a ton of them. This is the internet culture. I could bring them back up again. Um, but this is where we are today with um, people like this. So Destiny is the <laughs> asshole I'm <laughs> focusing on today and kind of saying, you know what? If you follow this guy, if you're letting this guy do your thinking for you, it's just as bad as having Fox News or CNN. Any of those people do this. It's even worse because this this guy is just like raged, uh, shaming you into believing uh, and accepting his positions on things. Kind of a, a dangerous place to be. We've got comments coming in. Um, I got a ha. I don't know what the ha was for, but see, it's it's tough when you don't have people in the chat room. This is why I want people to uh, actually join the live stream tomorrow we'll be actually opening phone lines and hopefully being able to take phone calls or anything because i'd love to be able to have a conversation with some people out there and get a different perspective on this i don't want to be one of these master debaters putting out <clears throat> what they believe and insisting you accept it i want to get your input on this stuff uh, and if i'm wrong i definitely want somebody to tell me where i'm wrong uh so that's where we're at. Now, this Kyle Rittenhouse thing, we're both, both sides, that both sides is them. Both sides are saying, well, if there are riots, you're to blame. If there are riots when this verdict comes down, you're to blame, meaning the other side is to blame. Um, there will probably be riots, no matter which way the verdict goes. If uh, he's found not guilty... There'll probably be some protests. There'll probably be some things that spill over from protest into uh, violence. I don't expect it to be that big. I think the National Guard will be called out. Some form uh, of uh, police presence will be there. Now, you, you can talk about, uh, you know, what that means, police presence and National Guard and that well, we are on our way to martial law already there. Probably to some small extent, yeah. Uh, not the kind of uh, use of martial law that Trump and his uh, January 6th insurgents were hoping for, but yeah, to some degree, that might be needed to quell the, the uh, violence short term. I expect there to be some reaction. I do expect he will be found not guilty. In the event he's found guilty, I think there's a strong likelihood there will be big-time protests. You know, the right wing has made a hero of this fucking kid. His lawyer said he was glad he shot those people. Now, he said that in a court of law. He was glad that Kyle Rittenhouse shot those people. Because in those people in the uh, defense attorney's uh, eyes, and certainly the judge who was a, a defense attorney from the bench, his eyes, 
or that Kyle Rittenhouse was doing the right thing and these guys were, these people he shot, killed, were bad people. They were criminals. They might have been, but they deserved their day in court just as Kyle Rittenhouse got his day in court. They don't ex- they don't deserve to be gunned down, judge, jury, executioner, some 17-year-old kid saying, I am I am the judge, I am the jury, I am the executioner in that moment and taking it on himself. That's, America can't work that way. No place can work that way. Vigilante justice does not work. But the right wing has made a hero out of this kid, vigilante justice. This is what they want. So we're at a place where kids... Kids who've been playing video games, fantasizing, fantasizing about the kill, going out there, getting their chance to do it, getting revved up by the media saying Black Lives Matter, these black people, they only burn down their own communities, look at them, they're savages, they're black beasts. Black Lives Matter happening a few miles away from where this kid lives, takes his gun, goes to kill some black people. Instead, encounters a white guy who says, grab that gun, go to grab his gun, get it away from him because he's going to shoot people. He already had pointed that gun at people. Now, point a gun at me. I'm assuming you're going to use a Kyle uh, Rittenhouse nose by his own admission, the rules of gun safety. You don't point a gun at, at anybody unless you intend to use it. You don't, and, and you have reason to use it and intend to use it. You don't ever point a gun at somebody. But he did. He pointed a gun at somebody and expected them to just stand there and not try to do anything in retaliation. That doesn't seem to be a good basis for self-defense. But again, he's got the judge in in this case in his pocket. Why the weapons charge was dismissed yesterday. That makes no sense at all. He was clearly, clearly had an illegal weapon. Underage kid taking an illegal weapon across state lines. <clears throat> Judge dismisses that charge. All right. And I have a feeling even if the verdict comes back guilty, the judge is going to set the uh, verdict aside. He'll find a, a way. The judge is clearly a trumper. You know, he's got a ringtone to God bless America. <laughs> Fucking bizarre shit. But he's clearly uh, made up his mind about what the facts of the case are. He's definitely on the side of the defense. He's shown his bias so much. And there's nothing the state can do about this. They can't retry it. They can't even appeal it, really. I don't know if that's absolutely true. There might be some area for appeal, but it's tiny. The state doesn't get the same appeal process that individuals do. Got to have some coffee. Happy coffee. Put this out there. Kyle Rittenhouse guilty in your mind? Let me know. Yes or no? Um, I think he's certainly guilty of negligent homicide. Uh, He pointed a gun at somebody. Uh, Whether it became self-defense at that point, of course it did. If I point a gun at you, you're going to try to take it away from me. I mean, this is a matter of life and death now that I initiated. So for me to call it self-defense after I pointed the gun at you, motherfucker, <laughs> I point the gun at you and you try to take the gun away from me. So And then I shoot you and I'm going to call that self-defense. Well, who initiated it? Who could have just stayed home? 
and and not had to defend himself. Now they say that's no excuse for uh, yet not part of the argument. You can't because once he was there, did he feel his life was in danger? Hell yes, he felt his life was in danger because he pointed a gun at somebody. Been right pointing a gun at you. It's that's the, it's hard, brother. It's on. I pointed a gun at you. It, it, I took the action of saying, life or death, motherfucker. And so when it comes down to death, I own that. I own that because I, I pointed the gun at you. I initiated the action. Self-defense went out that window. That's the truth. You can argue with me on that. I'd love to hear your argument against that. That the minute I point the gun at you, I can't. I can't claim self-defense anymore that's my position on this and it, i think that's the prosecution's uh position in the kyle rittenhouse case as well i don't know that for a fact but i think it is i have uh notifications on twitter that i haven't been i'm wondering if i'm the only one are you having problems with twitter i can get it on my phone but i can't see my everything's not loading on the computer screen so um yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, just curious about is he, is Kyle Rittenhouse uh, guilty in your opinion? And do you think there will be riots? Do you agree with this master debater, Destiny? Destiny. Uh, that people who are, if there are riots, people like me and people like who see things clearly as far as this uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, I suspect this Destiny guy is uh, probably sympathetic uh, to this because I think he is pro-police. Now, I am I support good cops. I don't support all cops. To, uh, you know, this idea of that we have to be all in or all out when it comes to the police departments. Of course, we all rely on police for our security. We cannot do without them. Defund the police, in my mind, was a pure, a poor choice of words, a poor strategy for anybody to be talking about. But it's a conservative idea. You're looking at me like, well, what? Conservatives are pro-cop. Yeah, they are, but they also are pro-private enterprise, pro, uh, they are anti-government, you know, small government. And police are government, man. Police are government. And so privatizing government has been, privatizing as much of the government as possible has been conservative mantra for 100 years. Who came up with defund police? Well, the title, the actual phrase defund police is probably an Antifa thing probably a very left-wing thing but the concept it's very far right wing it's it's libertarian it's uh, privatizing a police department privatizing our security uh so the concept is there the idea that you can just defund them and have no police at all that's absurd and that's where the language part of it really went off the rails and, and gave people the wrong impression about what it is now you can support the police but still recognize there is systemic racism within police departments. And people who say that's not true. <sighs> systemic racism does not mean that the captain is coming out and saying, uh, I want you to go 
patrol your neighborhoods, look for black young black men and shoot them. That's not what's happening. It's part of a uh, culture where, and for good reason, that uh, minority neighborhoods tend to get more patrol because, let's face it, poverty and uh, places of lower income will inspire more illegal behavior. It's just a fact. So police departments will patrol those areas more. Now, it's also a fact that uh, policemen, black, white, Asian, Native Americans, I don't know whether there are that many (laughs) uh, Native Americans on police forces in America, but it doesn't matter what race you are. You were out there wearing the uniform for your local municipality, and you've been assigned to patrol a minority neighborhood, they're going to be on heightened awareness because we know that more crime will happen in those areas because poverty, again, inspires more crime. So they're going to be heightened. So right there in that dynamic, there is more of a possibility for those interactions to go wrong. Not being aware of that or denying that and intentionally pushing back on the possibility that police could be uh, more inclined to shoot young black men than young white white men in the same with the same exact circumstances. <clears throat> Just pushing back on that idea and denying it could, it's even possible is an act of racism. It is. It's like we don't even want to think about that. We don't want to consider it. Uh, so we're going to deny it and push back on it and act like it doesn't happen. That's a systemic racism right there. Brought this up on the program last night because last night's uh, Blind Oak TV podcast was all about race relations and the idea of white privilege. Now, white privilege comes down to a lot of things. It, can, it doesn't have to be the big thing. It doesn't have to be about murder, cops and murder. White privilege can be as simple as this happened to me. I was uh, 55 years old driving my van on the way to a gig and did not realize my inspection had just expired the day before my inspection sticker was expired. Cop driving past me that way with the eagle eye, noticed it pretty quick, got behind me. Now I'm smoking a joint while I'm driving. Fucking van is reeking like a fucking good reefer. <laughs> Stick it up. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting pulled over by a cop. I open up the windows. It's like hopelessly open up the windows as I pull up. And the cop just walking up and he's getting wafted with smoke in his face. I smell marijuana in this car. No, not me. I don't um, look at me. I, I look like a pothead. Obviously, <laughs> probably said something. Oh, fucking yeah, you do. Fucking boomer. Anyway, uh, he asked me if I had any pot in the car, and I said no. He said, don't lie to me. You're going to make it worse. I had a half ounce of pot in the car. Anyway, he started making me move stuff around and doing not a full-on search. He didn't come in and search. He's making me open up glove compartments in the the console and the desk. Move that around. Move that. And then finally, the bag. He lied to me. He said there weren't any in it. Okay, I'm probably going to go to fucking jail now. First time in my life I'm ever going to get arrested for marijuana 55 years old. (laughs) Takes my license. 
goes back to his car that runs the thing on my license and uh, comes back and hands me my weed and my license back. He said, don't light up me. You'll make it worse. Gave me my weed back. Now, weed was still illegal here in, in New York up until this year. Any doubt in anybody's mind that if I were a young black man, I would have went to jail that day. Is there any doubt in anybody's mind that if I were a young black man, I would have went to jail and not had the best representation, the best attorney's money could buy? Probably a legal defender who would uh, be okay with me serving some time. And any doubt in anybody's mind that that time would have been the maximum sentence for a young black man in the same position with a half ounce of weed lied to a cop driving while smoking marijuana when it was illegal, clearly illegal. Yeah, they would have put me away thrown, and you could have thrown away the key because I guarantee while that young black man is sitting in jail for his maximum sentence for weed, first time offender even, uh, he would have committed some crime behind bars or been at least manufactured into uh, committing some kind of, that would have extended his sentence. And this is why we see people who go to jail for a joint, black young black men go to jail, jail for a joint, doing 10 years and longer. And sometimes it, it just keeps perpetuating itself because once you're behind bars, you become criminalized. You become institutionalized to the and hardened. Nobody goes to jail coming, very few people go to jail, come out uh, less of a criminal than they went in. You learn, <laughs> you learn a few things behind bars. You learn how to be a better criminal. It's like finishing school <laughs> for, for thugs and criminals and, and bad guys. So this idea of white privilege definitely exists. We have to you have to accept that even if you if that privilege is not if you want to take it to the point where it doesn't include cops murdering uh young men because it doesn't have to be that severe it does get that severe in my view uh, definitely i want to hear your opinions on this are you, you, are you one of these white privilege deniers that there is no white privilege at all um and can you make the case for that Refresh the coffee. Very good. Nice and strong. I'm starting to feel awake. By the way, um, today at 1 p.m., Jeremy uh, Nori will be with me. Jeremy's a film, a documentary uh, filmmaker, and he does films on a wide variety of subjects. One of them is Bigfoot and aliens. He's also into self-help stuff. He's into cannabis, uh, cannabis for medical uses and, and and things like that. So he's got a wide variety of interests. The allergies are still bothering me. Almost an hour and 20 minutes in, I'm still sneezing stuff. Sorry about this. Tomorrow, I, I will hopefully get this better. So that's at 1 p.m. today, Jeremy Nori. Where was I? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, white privilege stuff. Now, when we talk about privilege, and I, I brought this up, privilege, white privilege, can take really subtle, small forms in some ways. I have a friend, Andrea. Uh, she's got two sons, and she's a black lady, <clears throat> with two uh, young young boys, probably 15, 16, somewhere around that, fine young men. Those boys go, go out on a Saturday night to go be with their friends, as you and I did when we were 15 and 16 years old. 
as a black mother, she has to worry about more than my mother had to worry about, more than my wife had to worry about when my son went out. Every parent worries when their kid goes out at night. You when a siren goes, your kid is out and you hear a siren, you think, oh God, I hope it's not them. Hope it's not them. That's just a natural reaction. If you're a black parent, a black mother, that's increased tenfold. Every siren is, I hope he's not, I hope he hasn't been shot dead somewhere. Not that he, not, I hope he didn't get in with the wrong crowd. Not that I hope he's not drunk and needs a ride home. God, I hope he hasn't been arrested. I hope he hasn't been murdered by a cop. White, white mothers don't go, don't have that fear. I mean, it's always a possibility. Not that white kids don't get shot by cops ever, but a white mother doesn't always have that thought every time her teenage boy walks out the door. Black women do. That's white privilege right there. The privilege to not have to worry that your son is going to be murdered by a police officer is privilege. Love to hear you argue against that. Or or tell me where I'm wrong in any of this stuff. I love to hear when I'm wrong. Uh, I don't get defensive about this stuff. I definitely am looking to hear other points of view on it. Uh, generally, I want to hear thoughtful points of view, though. I'm not like the Trumpers that when I say <laughs> there's no evidence of voter fraud and they say, well, there's plenty of evidence. Well, can you show me some? No. <laughs> no. Well, if there's a mountain of evidence, why can't you show me any? Same stuff with all of the stuff that we talk about here. I'm open to uh, being educated about it and hearing where I'm wrong, differences of opinion. Love to hear that stuff. We, uh, maybe it, it will be a check on me, but don't come at me with just, oh, you're wrong. And I have no real basis or no information to back that up. <laughs> it's just... I don't, and I, I kind of brought this up yesterday because there was a video on YouTube. I really want to eat this banana nut muffin. Maybe I'm going to have to play a song or something so I can chat down on my muffin. There was a video <laughs> on YouTube uh, called, Is Belief Immune to Logic? I think there's a lot of truth in that, especially when we come to this political debate and stuff. Uh, the fact that you don't want to be convinced. You don't want to listen to uh, not even different opinions, but different evidence that points to your opinion being wrong. We we can't hear it. We reject it because our belief is so strong. It becomes a conviction that uh, we're just going to ignore all evidence. And this is true of the election fraud stuff. No, absolutely no evidence absolutely no evidence absolutely no evidence look he's on a loop of election fraud if there were donald trump would have produced some evidence right now now let's be clear his lawyers rudy giuliani and the rest of sydney biddle barrows or sydney you know sydney whatever the fuck our last name is uh they said in court they weren't claiming fraud and had no evidence of fraud. they were seeking time to find that evidence. That's what all those 64 court cases where Republican judges, Trump appointees, as well as a few Democrats, left it out of court and said, you can't come to us with this. This is like saying, accusing somebody of a crime. I want to accuse, uh, I'll just make up a name. I want to accuse somebody named Ken Harris, let's say, of, <laughs> of assaulting me. 
well, do you have any, any evidence of that? No, I uh, just like you arrest him. And while you do that, I'll go out and look for evidence. The cops would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're alleging a crime. You have no evidence. You bring it even to court to say you want time to get evidence. You're alleging a crime. You have to have the <laughs> evidence before you allege the crime in America. You can't just go to, uh, I want to I arrest him. I want to put a, uh, a cease and desist order on somebody because I'm claiming that there might be evidence if I only I have time to look for it. This was the gist of Trump's case. It's still the gist of the voter fraud. This over a year later. The election was over a year ago. They're still claiming there was fraud and still have not proved any. Ooh, look at the white power sign. No, that's the white power. The the P. <laughs> that's that's white power. There you go. I'm not doing that, by the way. I don't, I'm not a believer in white power. Um, but zero evidence, zero evidence of, of fraud. But yet, the minions who were told the lie, they believe it. And they're immune to any logic. So the logic of saying, show me the evidence. If the evidence, in fact, does exist, surely you should be able to show me something. Surely you must know what some of it is. Can you explain it to me, what the evidence is? There's a mountain of it, plenty of it. Where is it? I don't know, but there's a mountain of it. What is it? I don't know. This is where Trump has led people down this whole fucking cult um, slope. <laughs> it's a very steep slope down into the abyss. This idea of uh, whatever Trump says must be true, despite any logic or evidence to the contrary. Despite a mountain of evidence to the contrary. Again, 64 judges. I believe over 40 of them were Republicans. Over 20 of them were Trump appointees. All left and out of court. Trump's three Supreme Court justice appointees left and out of court. There's no basis for this whatsoever. These are Trump people. These are not, we're not talking about AOC and Maxine Waters here. We're not talking about far left people. We're talking about Trump's people, loyal Trump people, the secretaries of state and people who worked on Trump's campaign. So there's no evidence of voter fraud. People who work to get him reelected, not Democrats, not liberals, not Trump opponents, not even people who were mildly uh, uh, against Trump at all. These are people pro-Trump, had every reason to want Trump to be president. They all said no, no voter fraud. William Barr, Trump's hand-picked attorney general, who covered up 10 counts of obstruction for Russia, which, by the way, coming back to that whole thing, if Russia never happened, why would Trump commit 10 acts of obstruction of justice? But William Barr whitewashed 10, 10 counts of obstruction of justice for Donald Trump. Donald Trump now says William Barr is part of the <laughs> the left-wing uh, coup attempt to rob him of an election because William Barr said there's absolutely no evidence of voter fraud. Yet, 
everybody who says that must be on the Democrat side, even if they were uh, Republicans, even if they worked hard for Donald Trump to try to get him reelected, even if they would still vote for him today and continue to support him today, the fact that they didn't help him steal that election, uh, they are traitors and part of this Democratic conspiracy. It's beyond Alex Jones' territory here, folks, uh, with, with the conspiracy theories. And when Paul Provenza was on my show, uh, in in the closing moments of that show, he said to me, I don't see anywhere this can go that does not lead to civil war. Now, we don't want civil war. We don't want civil war. But I, I agree with Paul on that. I don't see a way out of this that because sanity has left the building. Sanity has completely uh, left the building uh, on this stuff where people, again, are immune to logic, immune to real hard evidence, and can't agree on the reality this is a microphone. This right here is a microphone. You can't, we can't agree on that. Uh, and this is where we are with the Trump people. Very sick stand, and whoever thought we might be here. Now, I definitely did think uh, we would be here as far as uh, Donald Trump doing everything he can. I think he basically admitted to it, that to, to do everything that he could uh, to hold on to power once he got it. So I, I people say, well, I never thought he would try to... Really? Because I, I am on record as predicting it back as far as 2015 that if this man was elected, he would do anything he can uh, to hold that office for the rest of his life. Anything he could, meaning he would kill his own children to hold on to that office. It means that much to him. And because it's his protection against going to jail at this point. So again, now the game becomes, can we run out the clock to get him reelected, get him elected again so that we can do all these blanket immunities? And if that happens, uh, America is lost forever. If, if Trump gets elected again and the pardons start flowing and all these people from January 6th start walking and basically that just gives him license to use the military to hold office until he dies. King Donald. This is where we're, we're headed in 2024. And <clears throat> Biden, you know, not a Biden guy, uh, but he's definitely preferable. More, <laughs> I definitely want Biden before I want Trump. <laughs> but I, I'm not a Biden guy. Uh, I'm not a party guy. Not a uh, not, not a Democratic Party guy. Not a Republican Party guy. I'm a pure independent. But uh, Biden. I've done a couple of good things. I mean, the infrastructure bill is huge. Getting us out of Afghanistan, huge. First year president, two huge things under his belt. Not going to get reelected. First of all, he's too old. People are, even people on the left, people on the left don't like him. They never liked him. He was just more electable than Bernie was in, in the Democratic Party eyes. And so he became the, the only candidate. And Trump knew that. That's why Ukraine happened in the first place, because he knew Biden was would beat him. But Biden won't beat him again, because Biden seems to have uh, got, gotten the, his agenda and his big picture plan. Uh, and he knows what he wants to do, even though 
he's losing some of his, he's got a big picture of what he wants to do. And that big picture doesn't include what the grassroots workaday people really give a shit about. I, 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 it, it almost, I, I worry about, I don't want to contribute to to uh, his landslide defeat if he should run again. He might not run again. But then who does the Democrat Party have to, to stop us from King Donald taking over? Hopefully Trump will be in jail. But I'm assuming Trump won't be in jail and we'll be able to run again. And who do the Democrats have? Nobody. Kamala Harris isn't going to beat Trump. Pete Buttigieg is not going to beat Trump. What are you going to do, run Beto? <laughs> he, can't, he can't even beat Ted Cruz in his home state. I mean, really. So the Democratic Party. Uh, and so you got Biden, who in the perception of people on the left who think he's, a, he's too conservative for the people on the left, he's not progressive enough. And the people on the right who swear he's got dementia or he's a, a communist, Joe Biden is as centrist as a Democrat uh, has ever been. Not a communist, very much a capitalist. Uh, but I don't think he can win. I definitely don't think he, and he, I think he's ignoring the things that matter most to workaday people. What matters most to workaday people, and this is this is just a fact, and and people can't get their heads around the political truth of this. What matters most to people, really, right now in this moment in America, gas prices, supply chain shortages, supply chain shortages. They want. They don't want bread lines like Russia, and uh, there's this argument that, well, the president is powerful. What can he do about inflation? He can't do a lot. President is, isn't all that potent uh, with dealing with things like uh, inflation, but he can do something. He's not powerless. But I got this argument and this kickback on Twitter about this. That he's absolutely powerless. And then his economic plan, as touted by the White House, uh, claims that it will combat inflation long term and help keep inflation down. Now, you can't make that claim <laughs> simultaneously as making a claim that the president is powerless <laughs> to do anything about inflation. But the perception, here we go with the allergies again, the perception by the public that it's not important to Biden is what's going to lose them the election. You know, I think he could probably, oh, man, it's, it's it's insane that we have to even think about this, that he could probably weather the dementia stuff because they could always counter that with Trump's just as, as fucking dementia, <laughs> uh, dementia-ridden as uh, Biden is. That's counterable. Uh, our nut job versus your nut job. Wow, what was that? <laughs> What was that? Uh, anyway, I saw, just saw something in, in the corner back there. Like, what are there, birds in the studio? Anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're at the place where we're running our nut job against your nut job. Both parties kind of agree. The other party's guy lost his cognitive ability somewhere. So that's counterable. But you can't counter ignoring what people care most about. The fact is... Most workaday people, people who are not millionaires, people who make under $200,000 a year, give a shit about gas prices, mostly gas prices, because they're afraid 
three fifty in New York right now. Three almost three sixty a gallon for regular in New York. If it went to California style prices nationwide, if you started seeing five or six dollars a gallon for gas for regular gas in Kentucky, in Ohio, in Middle America like that, uh, and the president seems to not. Uh, not really care about that. I'm really more focused on my big agenda and not really, not really hearing the American people about what they care about. You can't win an election that way. You can't. And so they're going to lose that. And that's the only horse we have to save us. Saving democracy. is <laughs> the way to, you want to phrase this. Fucking allergies, man. I'm going to say fucking allergies one more time on this show. The way you want to want to look at this is what is saving America from losing democracy altogether is an old, feeble old man who has dementia who is also ignoring what people really care about. That's our best hope for keeping... King Donald off the throne. Uh, if I were a betting man, not a betting man, mybookie.com slash dog. Uh, I'm sure you can find a bet on this. If I were a betting man, I would bet uh, Trump wins by a landslide. If he's, if he's allowed to run, if he's not behind bars. Clock is ticking, folks. Less than a year. Love to hear your questions and comments about this stuff. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. If I'm right, tell me why I'm right. <laughs> well, I, I just want to know that I'm not just uh, talking shit here. I think, I'm, I think I'm right about this. I put a lot of thought into this stuff. I do definitely follow it clo- more closely than a lot of people who do. Doesn't mean I know everything. I'm not Destiny. I'm not any of these master debaters who claim to know what's going on. I got a whole bunch more notifications on Twitter. I'm just checking out what they are. Give me one second here. (coughs) I can't see them on my computer. Are you having problems with things not loading on Twitter? Uh, uh, Yeah, this is about the vaccine shit. Now, that's the other part of it. Excuse me while I have a little more coffee. Have some coffee with me. Oh, I see. Not guilty is uh, not guilty is trending. Is this about? Uh, oh no, they're still doing closing arguments, right? In the the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Yeah. Okay. Because they're showing not guilty trending on Twitter. It's getting me a, a little upset. Is Twitter working for you people out there? I'd love to know because uh, I can't. Everything is not able to load at this time. I'm getting a lot of that crap. Where was I? What was I talking about? Can you can you remind me of what I was talking about? Oh, uh, was it about the January 6th stuff? Because I think I did have a little more to say about that stuff. The fact that, um, you know, there are tapes, and I have, I have that tape of Bannon actually calling for violence and saying that he wants, he wants to burn it all down. That's, his, that's Steve Bannon's plan. And, you know, where, where Bannon goes, Trump isn't uh, far behind when, in the ide- ideology part of it. And so this idea, uh, and I don't know what, what the real long-term plan beyond that is, because once you burn it down, it's anarchy, folks. 
is this what is this the world that Steve Bannon is trying to push uh, Trump into? This um, this world of anarchy. Anyway, the the vax people onto the vax people. I'm not a pro vaxer. I mean, when it comes to vaccines and general suspicion, I I I, I never said. Uh, I've never said Democrats say burn it all down. Somebody's saying, "What? how many times have you said the Democrats say uh, they want to burn it all down? I never heard any Democrats say they want to burn it all down. Uh, am I keeping my head in the sand about that? Have some Democrats say they want to burn it all down? <coughs> uh, I'm unaware of it. Please let me know. Um, a flower tortilla, he must be from Texas, no? Or New Mexico? Uh Anyway, no, I never heard them say that. Uh, I've never heard a Democrat say that. Uh, not, I'm not saying they haven't said that. I haven't heard it. If they are, I would love to be made aware of it. To say they want to burn down uh, society, uh, American, the American government, and no, I think the idea of progressivism. And again, I'm not choosing sides here. I'm not. I'm not saying liberals are good and Democrats are good, and conservatives are bad, Republicans are bad. Whatever I'm saying, uh, I think the idea behind uh, progressivism is to work within the government uh, to be more government friendly. I think part of the progressive agenda is more government, and I think they would they would gladly tell you that. So I don't hear there's a reason we don't hear Democrats saying burn it down because uh, the progressive agenda relies on bigger government. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I was a very a, a big believer in the idea of smaller government. But what does that really mean, smaller government? When we say small government, most people who, who buy into that Again, I was one for many, many years. Now I'm reconsidering that. I'm not completely off that fence. But when when people say that, therefore, smaller safety net government, Social Security, Medicare, welfare, and not for a reduced military, we spend more on military uh, than we do anything else in the government. Nobody's talking about downsizing that. Bureaucracy, we're not talking about that. Listen, I used to work for a company that catered only to government employees they sold only it, it was a purchasing program for government employees and I, i'm very aware of just about how big the government bureaucracy is uh and so i think efficiency and getting the federal government under control that's definitely a way we can make smaller government without without affecting people's lives, without taking away essential needs and services, just by taking away unessential loafers and people who weigh the system down and make the bureaucracy slower and less efficient. That's not what today's conservatives mean by smaller government. What they mean by small government is King Donald or, or the king, the, the, the figurehead, the military, and do away with all the uh, electoral process and and keep people like you and me from having any say in uh, how we run things. So, no, I, I don't hear the, the Democrats saying burn it all down. I don't think they make their their vision is to make the gov make government bigger, more um, 
serving the people. Listen, it, it's so bizarre that we even have to talk in the hypocrisy and what I've always been a guy who was against the two party system. But as the era of Donald Trump approached, I started to realize I'm can't keep touting this mantra of the two-party system is bad because there's something that's a lot worse and it's a one-party system every place that's had a one-party system has been the worst civilization has offered and we are especially on in the era of trump headed towards that one-party system rather than a two-party system very dangerous place to be uh and so now i'm off of this i i we need at least two parties. Hopefully we'd, we'd have more, but the idea of independence is completely gone. But uh, the, in, in the era of Trump, we have this, this idea that um, smaller government means uh, consolidating the government into the power of presidential authority. That's not what the Constitution calls for. And so it's not what America is built on, and it's not the way to go. All this is resistant to change. Conservatism traditionally has not been opposed to change. It's been about slowing down change. Under the era of Trump and the MAGA people, it's all about stopping change. No more change. It's in reversing, reverting to where we were, going back to make America great again. Now, when you ask them the era that they want to make it great, it depends on their own childhood experience. Uh, we're talking about infantilism here with a lot of the MAGA, MAGA people. Make America great again. What does that mean? Well, it means the, the era that I grew up in, I want it to be like that. Well, it might have been good for you. It also might be false memories. We look back with memories <clears throat> and tend to make things a lot grander. But it might have been okay for you. you know, you're talking about the 1950s, 1960s boomer. Uh, life was good for you then? <clears throat> That's nice. We also had uh, wars like Vietnam. We also had uh, racism and race riots and the civil rights movement and people like Martin Luther King getting assassinated for trying to get equal rights for black people. And uh, So it wasn't a great time for people riding in the back of the bus. Again, MAGA, make America great again. Where? What is the actual... What? Give me a date. Give me a... a a moment in time that you're trying to make America like again. And I will show you that it wasn't always as grand as you think. Was it mid-1950s the period that you want to get back to? Well, let's talk about that. And you, you ever hear of a guy named Joe McCarthy? Because Joe McCarthy was a guy who had a vision that people, or progressives and people who were socialists or communists, or he lumped them all into one group. If you were a liberal, you were basically a communist communist sympathizer and you shouldn't have the right to work or express your opinions or have any uh, ability to create art and this was the republican party power source incredibly powerful man was senator joseph mccarthy uh so much that ike was president at the time felt impotent by him and finally had to kind of draw a line in the sand when mccarthy went after army soldiers which, of course, the Army was very 
near and dear to Ike. <laughs> and he did not want to see his own officers uh, come under fire and be accused of being communists. And that's where he drew the line against uh, McCarthy. But up until that point, I felt impotent against McCarthy. So is that the point? MAGA people want to get back to the 1950s? That's, that's the America that, that's the great America we want to get back to? Think about that. Uh, what is the era they want to get back to? <sighs> Now it's McCarthyism for conservatives in academia and entertainment. I would love to be able to uh, get, hear you elaborate on that and, and explain what you mean by that flower tortilla. I definitely uh, want to hear more about that. Unfortunately, I don't have the phone lines hooked up today. Um, but And I know it's a lot to type out. Definitely and I'm intrigued by what you mean by that. Uh McCarthyism for conservatives. Conservatives aren't allowed to speak their minds, really. Who's who's getting canceled on the conservative side? Who? Who's been canceled? Uh, is uh, Tucker Carlson been canceled, or has he been given a bigger platform? Has Sean Hannity been canceled, or been given a bigger platform? Uh, Stephen Crowder. I mentioned him with his six million uh, subscribers on YouTube. It's a lot of reach. Joe Joe Rogan, who is now Gina Carano, has been canceled. Uh, that's that's funny because I never uh, even heard the name before. <laughs> it's hard to cancel. That's like saying I'm canceled. Uh, it's not exactly a household name there. Mike Rowe has been canceled. Dave Chappelle is a conservative. Uh, I would uh, check that one. Dave Chappelle is not a conservative, not by any means. Um, conservatives have kind of uh, gravitated towards him because of the last special and because his specials come out, you know, common enemies. You see uh, trans people or... Uh, and I'm not, I don't even think trans people... Dave Chappelle has not made an enemy of trans people. I think he's been just the opposite. I think he's tried to give him a... Dave is not left enough. That's why he was canceled. Dave isn't canceled. Dave <laughs> Dave Chappelle show, sold more tickets faster than anybody after the Netflix stuff. Netflix did not cancel him. Uh, and they don't have the power to cancel him. He's selling out concert halls right now. His career is bigger because of the controversy than it ever was. He's making more money now. Than he ever will. The eyes claiming that Dave Chappelle has been canceled is just silly. It's just flat out silly. Uh, Mike Rowe, Mike Rowe hasn't been canceled. Mike Rowe didn't have a job since the Dirty Jobs show ended. Now he's got a platform on Fox News. They'll put him on anytime he wants. He, he's not been canceled from any social media that I know about. Still there. I mean, what you're talking about, that, n none of those people, uh, Gina Carano, never heard of that name before. I can't talk about her. Mike Rowe and Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's not a conservative. Uh, Mike Rowe has not been canceled. Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle has not been canceled. Uh, Dave Chappelle is bigger than ever, has a bigger audience than ever, has a bigger platform than ever. Um, and he's definitely, uh, it's not the left that was attacking him. It's not, it was the trans community that is uh, most upset with him. A lot of the LGBT, the alphabet soup, uh, rainbow people are upset with him, even though he was pretty far. 
He's not in in agreement with anybody from Trump world. Not. Not. Uh, he was uh, preaching empathy. You're not going to hear anybody on the right preaching empathy and understanding. And and that's what the message of Dave Chappelle's special was. Now, the trans people who uh, tuned into that to make a big deal of it. Let's get let's get something straight. Dave Chappelle's special didn't come and knock on their door. And most of them will will tell most of the people who were upset with him. And I know this for a fact because I've talked to many of them. They didn't watch the whole special. They watched the point to where they can find something to be mad about and then switched it off and went immediately to social media and started blowing up and said, let's be mad at Dave Chappelle because he said this and this. The final message was empathy and understanding that we're all going through the human condition. Uh, so, and uh, that was expressly aimed at understanding the transphobic uh, trans transgender <laughs> transphobic transgender community and understanding uh, what they're going through. He, but he is also on the uh, very committed to uplifting the black experience, which is the one he knows. And so there is no, there's no frame of reference whatsoever to even kind of sort of put him in a conservative movie. He's anti-conservative if he's anything. Politically, I don't think he really takes uh, too much of a side, uh, but he did put out that, not put out, Lorne Michaels recruited him to do a cold open for Saturday Night Live uh, right after Trump's election to try to <clears throat> to try to calm the waters in America at that time, but he is clearly an anti-Trumper. So to put him in with the uh, conservatives is just crazy. Sad that you are so quick to believe, oh, let me pull this up. Sad that you, you, let's see what she's saying here, or he's saying. That's sad that you're so quick to believe conservatives uh, as a monolith are void of empathy. That kind of black and white thinking is what makes you lose 50% of your content audience. See ya. <laughs> okay. Well, well then, bye then. Uh, well, that's really... Uh, oh, I guess that's never mind, NVM. Um, if you, you don't like what I'm saying, you always have the ability to, to, to push back. And so, but if, if you're going to leave, bye. Um, good riddance. Anyway, um, no, I, I did not say no conservatives have empathy. It's not part of, uh, the, uh, agenda, but that would be part of what, where I brought up empathy was, that was, um, what Dave Chappelle's message was. And so for the trans uh, community to say it was anti-trans, uh, that special, they they missed the point of empathy part of, part of that. But uh, I did not say that conservatives as a whole are incapable of empathy. It's not part of the conservative agenda. And if you can show me where in the conservative agenda we talk about empathy and uh, understanding for uh, anybody who is struggling, 
please show me that in the conservative agenda. I'd love to know where, where I'm wrong on that. Um, where, where is empathy in tax cuts for the rich that, that give uh, unfair taxes to, um, to the working person uh, and raise taxes on, on where a school teacher pays more in taxes than Jeff Bezos. How is that part of empathy? Where, um, where people are, are getting uh, basically um, pushed off of any kind of uh, sustaining safety net programs um, in favor of giving more dollars to corporation, corporate America, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. Those, where's the empathy in that? It's not part of the conservative agenda. Now, I'm not saying uh, that all conservative people are bad or all conservatives are, are incapable of empathy. I'm just saying it's not part of the political agenda of that uh, movement. But obviously, uh, somebody got a little upset with what I said without really listening to what I said. And that's fine. If anybody else want to hear, tell me how Dave Chappelle or Mike Rowe has been canceled. I'd love to hear that. This person, Gina Carano, I'm going to have to actually Google her and see who she is, if she is anybody. Anyway, <clears throat> that seems to be the show for today. Again, at 1 p.m. today, I have Jeremy Nori with me. Jeremy, uh, we're going to be talking about his films, his newest films. He's created a bunch of new documentary films. Uh, most of them are available on Amazon Prime is where its main uh, point of distribution is. Let's see who we have at 8 p.m., Jenny. Oh, at 8 p.m. tonight, we have Dan Sheeks. Uh, Dan Sheeks. Now, I'm assuming Dan, Dan is... Uh, well, Dan is one of these guys who uh, has a big value, puts a lot of value in wealth. And, and when I started talking about consumerism, Dan teaches a being financially independent uh, mindset for young people, starting with teenagers. Financially independent. What does that mean? Well, it means... You don't have to work for somebody else. It means you're you're the master of your own uh, uh, destiny, which is a very good thing uh, if you if you can do it. Uh, and I think it, in many cases, can lead to a very fulfilling life, a really fulfilling life to be the master of your own destiny, not have to work a career or a job that you hate. Everybody wants that, right? That's part of uh, what we all strive for. Uh, so he teaches that to young children, uh, teenagers, and youngsters, and um, young adults. Good stuff. He'll be with me at 8 p.m. tonight. Um, a little bit worried that that feeds into the whole money equals happiness equation. Believe me, I understand the the realities of of having a uh, stable financial situation. Uh, you can't be happy without it. <coughs> I just concerned about making that the prime focus, especially of young people. We're you know, too many people I see in their 20s today are worried about early retirement. Should be worried about doing something you love and doing something really productive with your life rather than early retirement. Early retirement just for the sake of retiring and, and not working anymore? What are you going to do? Lay around and play shuffleboard in your 30s? <laughs> 
Anyway, that's the show for today. I got through two hours of talking by myself. The voice is starting to wear out a little bit. Can I have my coffee and my banana nut muffin? Banana nut muffin. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to do this again tomorrow. Uh, obviously, Flower Tortilla won't be with me tomorrow. Uh, she'll be over watching uh, more of the echo chamber on Fox News and whatever. Anyway, have a good day. Have a great day. Uh, even if you're a uh, hard conservative who hates my guts, have a wonderful day. Uh, I, I don't hold that against you. Have a great day. Bye for now. See you tomorrow.